This is episode two of our four-part series on After the Whistles, No Voice Goes Unheard. We had incredible feedback from our first episode, which was titled Toxic Environment, so we're proud to keep it going. If episode one opened your eyes, episode two is for sure to keep them open. Uh, Episode two is titled Wilkinson Report. And for our listeners who can't see us, whenever we mention the Wilkinson Report, we throw up air quotes because, as you know, there was no actual written report delivered to the NFL. Yeah. So let's go back to what actually kicked off this entire investigation into the Washington football team's workplace. The story was published in the Washington Post in August of 2020, and that story documented specifics of videos that former Washington football team employee Brad Baker said he was present when Larry Michael told staffers to make these videos and this particular incident, this one video, for team owner Dan Snyder. Yeah, and uh, for the record, Larry Michael adamantly denied the allegations in a statement where he said, and I quote, nothing can be further from the truth. I was never asked, nor did I ask someone to compile videos as you described, unquote. That's was his answer when he was interviewed by the Washington Post. Yeah, and, and Megan Imbert, who worked in the video production department during that time, We interviewed her and we asked her about these allegations. Annually, the Redskin Broadcast Network would produce what we would call beauties on the beach. And those would be a documentary style special kind of making of the cheerleader calendar. Um, Obviously, the organization would make money off of the calendars that the cheerleaders sold as well. Um, They would always send a crew to whatever tropical destination it was. And they would do different interviews with the ladies. They would film like on background while the still photographer would be there. And then they would come back and we would, we would use, um, you know, features for different shows or that long length beauties on the beach special. And that happened, uh, as far as I can tell annually, um, I was only in that department from 2007 until 2011. So I can't really speak to any of the other years. Um, But basically what we have found out in July of 2020, when I when I asked a few people very point blank questions about it was, you know, what what is the situation with this, with the videos? And I asked them, did you ever have to or do you know of um, footage, inappropriate footage, footage that would never have been designed for anyone's use? One where, you know, in between takes positions um, extreme close-ups of areas that um, a woman uh, probably wouldn't want out there unless they're in a certain other industry, <laughs> um, to say the least, not to make light of it. But uh, two individuals uh, immediately responded to me. They didn't know I was talking to them, and they both said yes. And I had a visceral reaction after that. I dropped my phone. I started to cry. I couldn't believe it. I'm so angry. To this day, I'm so angry. So from my knowledge, um, we have 2008 and a 2010 video that is basically, you know, the very zoomed in parts um, of anything that was exposed, you know, imagine, you know, wind blowing hair, like, you know, body parts that are showing that no one would want or have consented to. And it's all um, the separate videos are edited to Dan Snyder's favorite bands. 
Um, so we have 2008 and 2010. I would believe that there's more. Where's 2009? I would think it's a, probably a repetitive project, a secret project. I never had knowledge of this. Um, I never worked on those projects. I might put together like the profiles of some of the ladies for separate shows, but I never um, knew that a project like this existed behind my back. So when I learned about this, um, just feel incredibly betrayed and disappointed. Yet at the same time, I do understand if this was at the direction of the owner, people were doing their job, whether they agreed with it or not. Um, so I've, I've just had a lot of time to think about that as well. And from my perspective, you know, these ladies, they're worried right now. Are there more videos out there? Who has access to them? Who, who has seen them? They're, they're moms with children. They're married. They don't want this going viral. They're worried about the emails. Are there pictures of the still shots that were supposed to be for photographers purposes only? Who had access to these, um, these files? And so from my perspective, when we found out about this, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, what do we do here? Do we go to the FBI? Like, in my opinion, this is illegal. I would want to make sure that we could get a hold of any of that footage. But, you know, we we did go to the Washington Post with it and our lawyer. But as we continue down this path, while the the cheerleaders that we know of in those two videos have settled confidenti confidentially um, and they've also signed NDAs, I would love to see if there's an opportunity for criminal charges around something like this. And I would want to get to the bottom of whether or not there's more videos. After we got knowledge of this, I wrote with um, an anonymous source. I authored this letter that was distributed through Sports Illustrated, basically a plea to our colleagues, anybody that worked in that department that had anything to do with any of these videos or knowledge of or saw um, to please come forward and gave them directions on how to participate in the investigation. So that's another reason why I want this report shared. I don't know. Maybe someone did see that and came forward or we'll have some kind of clarity because the kicker to me is that Larry Michael, my boss, was rewarded with retirement in July of 2020. He wasn't fired by Dan Snyder. So in my mind, they're protecting each other or at least, you know, public's eyes, Larry was fired. But at this point, it's like, I'm assuming people have taken NDAs. They've probably taken money. Um, and here we are um, just like, just appalled. Um, you know, I got to know Melanie really well and, and Donald, the people that manage the, the cheerleader team over the past year. And I've had cheerleaders reaching out to me, like crying, thanking me. So those are the things people don't see behind the scenes is like, Part of me is like ignorance is bliss, but at the same time, I'm so glad that this has come out because it could stop this cycle of, um, from perpetuating. And who knows if something like this might happen at another organization or just, you know, with cheerleading in general, you know, it makes my mind start to think like, gosh, I really hope there wasn't a camera in their changing rooms or other, other things, you know, I don't want to start any rumors, but that's the kind of place my head starts to go. Um, mm -hmm. So in essence, right now, um, I, I believe it was a repeatable um, situation. Just terrible. So now an investigation has been initiated. Dan Snyder hired Beth Wilkinson's law firm to investigate these and many other, other horrible allegations and report their findings to Dan. After a public outcry, the National Football League then stepped in to take over as the requester of the report. And to find out how each of these women felt about the report, we asked all of them the same question. Do you feel like since 
the report hasn't been shared or publicized yet. Do you feel like the Wilkinson investigation was a bit of a waste at all? Um, no, I don't think it was a waste because it did kind of bring to light this huge amount of change that needed to happen there. So I don't think it was necessarily a waste, um, but I do think it was a ginormous letdown. Do you feel like it was a waste? This whole investigation was a waste? Um, I did until the Gruden emails were leaked. Um, I felt like we did a lot of work and resurfaced a lot of trauma that we all went through to participate in this investigation with the intentions of something happening because of it. And I mean, a $10 million fine and somebody telling him to stay away from the team is not doing anything about it, in my opinion, especially because, as I mentioned, he doesn't he's not really that involved to begin with. Um, but I had lost all hope. I just figured it was great experience for my legal career. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, then they leaked the emails. Somebody leaked those emails and drew the attention that we needed to have this conversation again. And I'm actually very grateful that somebody had such a poor PR stunt planned because <laughs> it did nothing yeah. but help us. And now I feel like there's hope because Congress is getting involved and uh, more women are willing to speak. More men now that we talk to are like, you know what, enough is enough. If you need us, you know, we're ready. Do you believe that the Wilkinson report is a was a waste? due to how it's not being leaked or reported or publicized right now? Um, I personally don't think it was a waste. Um, and, and I say that personally for me because, you know, my interview probably took about two and a half hours. And, you know, after the article had come out, there were some things that I just had repressed for so long. So even mm -hmm. reading it, I was just like, wow. Like, I really dug deep some of these stories and some of these experiences that I knew. So when I had to basically lay it all out for the investigation team, honestly, that was the beginning of my healing. So I had stopped working with the team in January of 2019. But honestly, I can't say until it was August of, of 2020 that I finally started to really heal from that situation. Can you just kind of give us an idea of, of how you felt when you were, you know, giving your stories and, and during that investigation and your hopes of what the outcome would be? The investigation was intense. I remember, I can't speak on too much of it, but it was definitely something where we spent a lot of time ahead of time. I, I spent time preparing my thoughts, really articulating all of the different experiences I had and recollecting those, sometimes realizing how much I've repressed or um, potential experiences that I've never shared before. And so that process was very straining emotionally. And I would say draining is the word. And I think by coming forward voluntarily to try to be honest and cooperate to help have hope that there could be positive change and no one else experiences what I did. It, it was at, I think a great, a great cost to us personally. And then to see that this has resulted in a zero page report and we're begging everyone around us to believe us and, you know, showing the hypocrisy of the different reports that have come out like Ray Rice or deflate gate. That's 243 pages. So um, that was really emotionally uh, taxing. I think I did my interview. I want to say it might've been on a Friday and, you know, mine was definitely a few hours in length. 
And I think I was, you know, really down for the count for the entire weekend. I didn't want to take phone calls. I didn't want to go out. It was just, it was emotionally exhausting. We need the help of the fans to keep the pressure um, because that's basically how we're going to keep this alive is if people still care about this. I think the NFL is definitely hoping um, that this is just going to be rushed under the rug, that something else is going to happen in the league. And that's what the fans are going to talk about next and that this is just going to go away. Speaking of pressure, former Washington football team cheerleader Melanie Coburn and former Washington football team employee Ana Nunez both traveled to New York City recently to hand deliver a letter to the NFL owners meeting asking the National Football League to release the report. And here's Ana's story about that said trip. I am representative, represented by Lisa Banks um, in the law firm, along with the other women. And so I very much after the article had been released, um, you know, I had taken I had taken kind of a sideline approach. Um, you know, I was still dealing with how I felt about this all emotionally and kind of what I wanted to do as well. And so, you know, we had started to um, send these letters. Um, so earlier this year, we sent once the report um, was quote unquote completed. Um, we had asked the NFL to release it. So we sent a letter. They asked for our signatures. I said, you know, sure, put my name on it. Um, Cause that way, you know, you're adding a number onto this. Um, and, and my name doesn't necessarily have a face to it. Um, so, you know, that's fine. And then we did the sponsor letter a few weeks ago, same thing. So when I had found out about the owner letter, I said, you know, yes, take my signature. It's fine. And I was asked by Rachel. She said, hey, Melanie is going to New York. She wants to go to New York and hand deliver these. You know, we live in the area here in Washington, D.C. Would you mind accompanying her? And, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I'll go with her for support. You know, mm -hmm. we'll be there for a couple of hours. I honestly could not have imagined what what actually happened. Like I that was not in the forefront of my mind. I just said, we're going to drop off some letters, have some lunch, and then take the train back. So Melly and I had actually never met before. Um, and even when we worked for the team, she ended her tenure in 2011 and I had started in 2015. So, you know, there's some gap there. However, when we're talking on the train up, there's a lot of people we still knew that, you know, had crossed over between our times that, you know, it was the same stories over and over again. And we're just like, oh, gosh, like, <laughs> you know, we don't want to laugh about it, but we've gotten to that point where it's just like, it's just so humorous and just disgusting, just the people that were allowed to continue this behavior for so long. So we, we actually got in late because of our train. And, you know, we were like, we took a cab, got there. Um, we delivered the letters and we did have like a photo op situation and we were going to say a couple of things, um, to the post. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's one person, one reporter, another, a camera, and they're just in our faces, like asking who we were, what we were doing there. And for me, that was a very fight or flight moment because, Nothing could, could have prepared me for that, honestly. And I, and yeah. I was not prepared. Right. Um, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I know that I can say, you know, all questions directed to Melanie. However, in my head, I was thinking of all the people that I knew that could not speak and haven't been able to 
through this whole situation from, you know, when they were um, interviewing people for the article, as well as the investigation itself, I know people who either spoke to one or the other or both or neither, and they just haven't been able to say, my name is, and I'm a former employee. So, you know, once the question started coming out and they're asking me my name, you know, part of me was, I was, I was terrified. I was shaking underneath. I was like, mm. not ready for it. But at the same time, I, I chose to fight. That was my fight or flight moment. And I chose to fight. I said very proudly, my name, my association with the organization, what I was doing there, which is trying to get this report released. So I think it's important to note here that we have sources who have actually seen a written draft of the report. So there is a report. Whether or not it was turned over to the NFL, that's a whole nother story. But trust me, there is a report. Yeah, so uh, after all of this, I think it's very, very important to remember what Dan Snyder said in response to the Washington Post story. Again, I quote, The behavior described in the Washington Post's latest story has no place in our franchise or in our society. While I was unaware of these allegations until they surfaced in the media, I take full responsibility for the culture of our organization, unquote. Has he taken responsibility? Has he been held accountable? Next week, part three of our four-part series, we take a closer look at the toll this situation has taken on these four women. The unfortunate part is that everybody would just sit there. There, look, watch the tears roll down my face, and nobody ever did anything about it.